Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. Now, it's time to go deep for the exclusive info you need on the hockey team you love. This is Preds Insiders with your host, Ryan Porth. Brought to you by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Gary Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East. On your flagship home of the Predators Radio Network, Smashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth alongside Darren McFarland of Darren Donick and Chase. Weekdays 10 to 2, ESPN. 1025 The Game. You can also hear Darren on the pre- and post-game shows on the Nashville Predators Radio Network. Darren, last night, the Preds get a 6-1 win over Detroit. Yay! And over the last uh, five or six years, there haven't been many wins against uh, well, the Detroit well, Red Wings. One going into the game. Right. Ever now, since now, Peter Laviolette took two. over. Yeah, yeah, now two. So now they are 2-10 and ten mm-hmm. in their last 12 appearances against the Detroit Red Wings. And I got to admit, after 20 minutes last night, I was thinking to myself, and I'm sure there were a lot of others thinking the same way of, oh boy, here we go again. It's not um, like the Preds were playing poorly, I but... Didn't think they were, I, I didn't really feel that way. Did you now, think that way when Athanasiu scored like two minutes in? You're like, Well, uh, the, that, man, I was like, oh, really? No, I think I went, really? Like, basically, here we go again? Like this mm-hmm. again? With Detroit? The, what is the Detroit's? You know, it's like we, we... So yeah, two and a half minutes in, I did, but... I will say the Dylan Larkin play late in the period, about three and a half to go, where he had a wide open net. Yeah. To extend it to two nothing. And he hit the post. I may, if you would ask me if he puts that home, I probably, after the first period, I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me again. Mm -hmm. It's two nothing again. So. Well, they kicked down that door in the second period. Well, right. I mean, that that all went away quickly. And oh, by the way, I don't think Dylan Larkin, who's a tremendous player, we know he's extremely fast and he's a tremendous player. I don't think he recovered from that because if you notice, they showed him he was really frustrated on the bench. Shortly after that, the next period, he would get in a fight with Ryan Ellis (laughs) and get a two-minute roughing, which would do good things for the Predators. And then in the third period, he would take it out on Weber. Mm-hmm. With a high stick, a four-minute double minor. So, I mean, the Predators didn't get a power play from it, but he would sit in the box for four more minutes. I mean, I just think that Dylan Larkin was, for whatever reason, the Predators did a good job of making him extremely frustrated. Of course, I think that goal late in the first period, I mean, that could, I don't know. I mean, they may have still come out and scored five goals in the second period. But you do wonder, with a 2 nothing lead, does that change? It could. Does that change things? How how that game would have played out? It, but it how it played could. out? It I think so too. It absolutely could, but it was one nothing after one, and then it was five one Preds after forty minutes of play. Yeah. And Jimmy Howard looked like a total sieve in oh that second gosh. period. How about that? How about that shot of him on the bench? The, talk about sad faces on the bench. I mean, they showed him two or three times on the Fox Sports Tennessee broadcast where he just he looked like. His eyes were just glossed over and was just like, uh, <laughs> staring into space of yeah. what just happened. Well, as you know, four goals in just over five and a half minutes. That's that'll that'll have that effect on you. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of those I think you would like to have back um, for sure. Yeah, 
Probably. The Benino goal deflection. Mm, nothing okay. to do about that. The Turris goal was like a knuckle puck. Oh my! Yeah, that was a, that was a weird play. Yeah, but still, okay, give Turris some credit. That was, that was a good shot. Yeah, and then the Sissons goal to make it three-one. By the way, that was nasty. Sissons, he likes blazing down the right side, doesn't he? Yeah, just firing away. Yeah. In fact, I wouldn't even look for him to pass ever. <laughs> Like, if they get film on him, he comes down the right side. He's shooting! Get on him! He's going to shoot! <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's worked. He's looked really good. Cole Sisson's had a good start. But when the fourth goal went in and Jimmy Howard looked like a fish out of water. Bad turnover. It, it just felt like, and you get a goal, and you get a goal. That's how it felt like because that the, was three goals one, in two minutes. The Deshane goal. Like, yeah. That was like, how? To, honestly, I had to watch it several times because I was like, how did that even get in? Did you think that? I was like, how did they even make it in? Where he was? Like, what and, is Jimmy Howard doing? Right. I never is, know what he's doing. <laughs> well, after that, he was sitting on the bench. Eating meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Calling his mom. <laughs> Asking about his protege, Jeremy. Oh, man. Yeah, I, that that was, you're right. And then that was, that was kind of, the fourth goal especially was like, yeah, it's just not going to be his night. Yeah. So, 4-1. And then the Preds made it 5-1 late in the second period, on the power play, and they were just completely relentless on that power play. Matt Duchesne gets the goal on the rebound, and I think there was some confusion both on the broadcast, in the arena, and with the fans of what exactly happened there because Jeff Blaschel was talking with the refs, and it appeared pretty obvious while the play was going on that the puck hit the net. While the Preds had possession of the puck in the offensive zone, the puck deflects up into the netting, and there's no whistle. And the the reaction from Ryan Johansson, it was almost like he threw his head back of, oh, man, the puck went out of play. Then you have the fans in the seconds after that all pointing up saying it hit the net. And then a while longer, I mean, there was no whistle for, Mm-mm. I couldn't even tell you how many seconds. It felt like an eternity, 45, 60 seconds. And then Duchesne scores, make it 5-1. That was not reviewable. That's correct. Not reviewable. It's not reviewable because it didn't directly lead to the goal. Yeah. You could tell Detroit was not very happy about that. Yeah, but I mean, they usually get those. They they're yeah. usually pretty good about getting, you know, seeing the puck hit the net sure. and, and blowing it dead. But they missed that one and ended up five one. Worked out for the Predators. Look, but, those things happen. Yeah, you're right though. It doesn't really happen that much. Like when do you really see that play? Not very much. Right. There's a lot of games every night for six months in the league and you don't really see that happen very often which you know you would think with four guys out on the ice their their job is to watch the puck and watch the action that somebody would catch it getting in the net right? especially with johansson's reaction i mean he threw yeah. his head back like oh right like we had all this possession mm-hmm. now it's out of the out of play well and then they score it i don't really know if that had any effect on the game it probably just was the I, final dagger hammer nail coffin yeah thank yeah. you Six feet down. Yeah. Start throwing the dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think at that point it was already pretty determined that the Predators were well in control and and were going to finally get a win against Detroit. I mean, they, look, hats off to them. They they turned it around. I didn't think they played a bad first period, but they came out and they, they certainly took care of business the final 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Philip Forsberg added one for good measure in the third period to make it 6-1. Philip Forsberg's first goal since returning – uh, from the the lower body injury in which he missed a few games for um, six last to be exact. 
month. Six games. I thought Duchesne may have tipped that one to get a hat trick. Really? I just, I, lo- I just love that play. Like, Forsberg, like, backs it up. You know, it's kind of like the point guard. Uh-huh. It's like, goes back out and does the circle. Like, okay, let's start it over. And then just, like, drives down the lane and lays it in. That, that's a, for, But he didn't drive down the lane. Mm-hmm. He just said, oh, so is nobody going to come out here? Or so, pulls up for the wide open three. Right. Just like, okay, how about in your eye? Yeah. Like, right, you know, it's like, right. You, okay, let's start <laughs> over. Oh, nobody's going to guard me. And the guard just says, okay, I'll, fine, I'll just pop this three right here. But on the TV broadcast, it kind of sounded like it hit something on the way into the net, even when they ran it back on replays. Mm. Okay. But I could see it looked like Forsberg asked Duchesne right after the puck went in. It looked like Forsberg asked, asked Duchesne, did you did you get a piece of that? And really? He, you could see Duchesne shake his head no. So Forsberg gets the goal. Well, he went glove side. Duchesne was screening, but I, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, that didn't cross my mind. So Preds get the 6 1 win over Detroit. They moved to 9 4 and 2 on the season. And Darren, did you see the, the stat that I put out there at the end of the game last night about Pecorine? No. That was Pecorine's first win at Detroit since April 17th, 2012. Since 2012? Game four of round one in the 2012 playoffs. That was start 30, career start 30 for him against Detroit. And the last time he beat him there was 2012? Yep. Wow. Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi were the only ones that were in the lineup that hmm. night and also in the lineup last night. Wow. Good stat. I don't know what – I don't – it's just one of those things I'll never understand. Like, there are certain stats you never get. Like, the whole Detroit thing – I. If we, how, if how can this they stat own was, Tampa and get right. owned by Detroit? Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand there. I mean, back in the day, okay, I get it. I mean, Detroit was the cream of the crop, and they're winning 55, 60 games a year. I, okay, I get it in the regular season, but man, I, I just some of that, some of that stuff about Detroit, I don't. But you know, maybe this was uh, the tide turning for the Predators' way moving forward. Hopefully, I mean the team knew it. They they, they were that, well that, By the way, aware. I'm glad you said that because I brought that up today on the radio show, and that that is that did jump out of me. Like they they actively talked about it afterwards. They were very aware of their woes against the Red Wings, and you know, some people because Chase was like, ah, oh, well, you know, of course, and I'm like, nah, that's not a lot they of times. Don't always know that. players are oblivious to stuff. Sometimes if it's not pointed out, like they don't have any. You know, certain things, sometimes, honestly, they learn things from the media, right? Because they're getting asked questions and they're like, where, where is this? You know, I didn't even know. Like, I'm sure Pecorine didn't know that the last time he won in Detroit was back in April of 2012. Right. I'm but, sure he didn't know that. But it was pretty clear. They were they were fully aware of how they've played against Detroit over the last five or six years because they made a point to say, we know we haven't played well against them and we wanted to make a statement, not only to start off the road trip, but against Detroit. Mm-hmm. So that was... I. That did get my attention. I heard Roman Yossi and others comment about their record against Detroit. So speaking of Pecorine, he is now 8-0-2 on the season, and last night he became the first goaltender in NHL history to post a season-opening point streak of at least 10 games at 36 or older. Very cool. Belated happy birthday, Yeah, by the way. Sunday. To Pecorine. He did not get a new contract Sunday. No, because he has one. He's currently yeah. under contract. But that is kind of the norm with Pecorino. Well, David Poyle is certainly, as he told told us today on the radio show, if yeah, he keeps handing out contracts and they keep getting four points, 
you know, and keeps playing well. Roman Yossi and Austin Watson both playing really well after the announcement that he kind of wishes he'd had some more contracts to give out. Mm-hmm. If that's the response he's going to get with the first game. Last night was also the seventh game this season in which the Preds have scored five or more goals. They had 12 of them all last season. Well, I'll tell you what, Ryan, uh, Doing you've got your research team. I've got my research team, and I put my crack staff of one, that's me, um, to work last night during postgame, and uh, we came up with this stat. So you want to keep throwing stats at me. I've figured out one Hit me. that you probably haven't figured out. Okay. You want to hear the magic number for the Predators this year? <laughs> I know where you're going. Six goals. Wow. When they get six goals, you're not going to win. Mm. Okay, they're 3-0. and Can't get that anywhere. Six goals is the magic number. <laughs> when they get to six, it is two points and a W. You would have thought five. No. But, but no, last Thursday, that's the point. that. Five is not the magic number. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that when Philip Forsberg scored to make it 6-1, that's when it was hammer nail coffin. That is when you know you can go on and – just do whatever you need to do because the game is over. Six and a half minutes into the third, you you would have known that. Once they got to six, it's over. By the way, they needed six to beat the Capitals. They did. Now they had their way with the with the Ducks and with Detroit, both of them winning six one, but they needed all six to beat the highest scoring team in the league, right? Washington and Nashville are the two highest scoring teams in the league. So it played out that way. 6-5 game. Coming up next, the Preds offense continues to be hot, and I'm going to ask Darren a question that I posed to Justin Bradford a few weeks ago. We will get to that next. He's Darren McFarland. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in. Preds Insiders brought to you every Monday and Wednesday this week on a Tuesday because the Preds played last night in Detroit. 6-1 win for the Preds. Preds Insiders brought to you every week by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry. For all your dental needs, visit kellyerice.com. Nashville's number one Ford dealer, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Carrie Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East on the corner of 3rd Avenue and Korean Veterans Boulevard downtown. Ryan Porth alongside yeah, Your sponsors Darren are growing there, Ryan. That's right, Ryan. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. <laughs> well done. Popular show, Preds Insiders. Very good. You get more insiders and more sponsors. Well, there you go. Absolutely. So last night, the Preds win 6-1 over the Detroit Red Wings. And that now makes it 60 goals through 15 games for the Nashville Predators. Mm -hmm. Averages out. This is Franklin High School math for you. Four goals per game so far for the Nashville Predators this season. On pace for 328 goals for the entire season for the Preds. And their previous team record was 272 set back in the 06-07 season. So I ask you this question, Darren, that I asked Justin Bradford after six games. I ask you after 15 games, which we have more of a sample size, is this going to be the best offense in Preds history? Uh, Yes. What we're looking at right now? Yes. You said that pretty emphatically. I did. Why? Because it just... It looks better. It feels better. Special teams is better. Power play is a big part of it. Oh, by the way, two more, you know, power, two more power play goals. Ten games of the fifteen, they've produced at least one power play goal. So that is a factor because they're getting more, more goals. Special teams, uh, by the way, shorthanded goals too. They have a been having a problem with that. Yeah, special teams has been key. Uh, they're just, 
you know, will the third and fourth lines stay this productive the rest of the way? No. But no. the first and second lines won't but remain. Exactly. That's where I'm going. But the first and second lines. I mean, right now, the secondary scoring is what's working, right? It's carrying the team. Matt yeah. Duchesne admitted that in my pregame interview with him for Saturday afternoon against the Rangers. He said that the depth guys are carrying us offensively. There's right no doubt. I mean, you get Sissons with five goals right now. Benino leads the team with eight. Craig Smith, who has played really well, and we know his track record, he scores 20 or more goals every year. He has one goal. There's, I, I suspect he'll still get to his mark. It, it may be 20 on the button, but he's going to get to his mark you find some way, somehow. By the way, I, like I said, I think he's playing really well. He's extremely visible. He's out there working hard. He just has one goal right now. I mean, they got to get Granlin going. Everybody knows that. He's mm-hmm. got 10 games without a point but you're right i mean they haven't even exploded with the guys that i mean if, if everybody's going to have this phil forsberg and 40 goals discussion or victor arvidson fill in the blank matt duchene whatever well those are not the guys right now that are scoring at will i mean, phil forsberg and arvidson have six goals i get it but i i really do i i just i don't i mean they're going to slow down i mean they're not going to stay at this pace they probably won't hit that number that you said 382 or or 328 excuse me but they'll have a lull i mean it's just it's bound to happen it happens in a season uh where we'll be questioning where's the offense going or where's it been it's just natural but overall when it's all said and done yeah I, i just think this it looks better it feels better it looks like a team and just like i said with special teams kicking in too I just think all that combined is going to have them, yes, the best offensive team we've ever seen in Nashville. I hope the power play continues it, its success so that Nick Kale of Morning Drive oh, gets I want the, it to be top five. The it's Lamb Bear be. tattoo. Man, the Lamb stamp would be just the best <laughs> on Nick. It would just be fantastic if they could get to top five. He said, he said it's going to go on the forearm. No, the back. It's going on the back. It's going on the forearm. No, he said the back. He's already said the back. He's when did he me, change? He has said to me forearm. No, he has said back. Mm. That is all. That is we've got that recorded. Upper back or lower back? Uh, I called it the lamb stamp. Okay, <laughs> so lower. He said back, and I think even lower was thrown out there. No, it's on record. I don't know where this forearm stuff came from. But uh, look, they've got it's been nice, right? They're they're obviously operating at a what twenty percent clip right now, over just over twenty percent success rate with the man advantage. I think they're currently sixteenth. They've got what twelve power play goals right now. I think fifth is Vegas at twenty five percent. I'm That's doing correct. all this on, off the top of my head. Preds are at twenty point seven percent, sixteenth in the league. Vegas is five at twenty five percent. But they have a, what I think what thirteen power play goals, is that right? Uh, Predators have twelve. Vegas has fifteen. They have fifteen. Yes. Okay, and, I thought they had. And the Preds also have fifteen. No, no, that's not right. That's no, not right. that's not right. That's not right. I was looking at the wrong column. Yeah, I think Vegas has thirteen. Nashville has twelve. Nashville has twelve. Yeah. Good job, Darren. You can look at a graph on NHL.com better than I can. Well, I'm not even looking at it. <laughs> well, at some point you did. Well, you're right. At some point I did. You're right. 
Right. All uh, your all your post game uh, research last night. Yes, me and my staff of one. But yeah, I mean that's that's not far off, right? I mean they 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 can it's obtainable. I, I don't know how close they'll get. I I think I don't think top ten is crazy to throw out there right now, right? I mean I don't know about top five. Could, could it be obtained? Yes. But right now, the way we've seen it, I think top 10 is not a crazy expectation or to throw that out there and say, come on. Because everybody said, right, it was always natural. If they could just be in the middle of the pack from 31, that would be, you know, 17 would be great. Well, here they are. Well, they're 16. And after you've seen what you've seen, I think now it's fair to say, okay, with the weapons that they have and just the new look and kind of the new voice – Top 10 is not crazy to throw out there. They would have to go on a binge and then sustain it right. for, for them to finish top yeah. five, which, mm-hmm. look, I'm not going to say it's impossible now that they have Duchesne and Forsberg back in the lineup. They kind of hit a dry spell when those two weren't in the lineup. So, by the way, what do you make of Nick Benino's hot start? Eight goals leads the team through a month of play. I don't think many people would have had Nick Benino in their pool for leading the Nashville Predators in goal scored at this point in the season. What was the line David Poyle used? Because I asked him about Nick Benino's start today. What was it? You have, Where do you find the money? Or how do you get the money? You have to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. This is basically a reference of, well. You got to go to the front of the net. You got to go to the front, man. You got you to do the dirty work. You got to get down there. and It's not where everybody wants to go. Sounds easy, right? Everybody's like, go to why do they all go to the net? Why? Well, yeah, that's great from our view to say that. But unless you've been in that situation and had people poking you with their stick and pushing you around and slashing you and doing all the stuff that goes on there. Standing in front of a 95-mile-per-hour slap shot. Or, or that, too. Yeah. A hard piece of rubber <laughs> coming 100 miles an hour at you. Yeah. A hard piece of rubber. You know? I mean, yeah. You know, other than that. <laughs> Yeah, who wouldn't want to do that? I like how you dumbed it down to just a hard piece of rubber. Well, it is. It's just a hard piece of rubber. <laughs> it actually hurts really bad. It does. <laughs> By the way, my son has got Nerf pucks that look just like real pucks. If they were Nerf, then yeah, everybody would stand in front. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? They're not Nerf. No, they're not. But he's doing the dirty work. In all seriousness, he's doing, you know, look, that goal, he deserved it. Mm-hmm. What did he do? He won the draw. Yep, and what did he immediately do? The puck comes right out to the point to Hamus, right to the front of goes the net. slid right to the front of the net. His career high is twenty two goals. At this point, it looks doable. Mm. He'll hit a dry spell yeah. at some point. He won't keep this up, but twenty two when you already have eight seems doable when you have sixty seven games left in the season. If you were to say you have to give a number, I'd probably say. 18 or 19. Okay. That's fair. Would be my number if if I had to pick a number. Because you're right. I mean, he won't stay at this. I mean, obviously, if he stayed at this pace, he, he would eclipse that and we move on. He's mm-hmm. going to have a career year in goals. But I, I think realistically, 18, 19 goals, which, oh, by the way, what, they'll sign up for, right? With everything that he brings to the table, sign Absolutely. up all day long. Mm-hmm. Speaking of numbers, Roman Yossi had a lot of numbers added to his bank account last week but what will make that contract a success for the nashville predators we will bounce that around coming up next he's darren mcfarland i'm ryan porth you are listening to preds insiders espn 1025 the game streaming on the game national app 
Welcome back into the show. Preds Insiders on this Tuesday evening. Pre- uh, Ryan Porth alongside Darren McFarland. Did you forget your name? I, I say Preds Insiders so much that I kind of feel like that becomes my name. <laughs> Hello, I'm Preds Insiders. I'm actually Ryan Porth alongside Darren McFarland. Darren, Donick, and Chase. Weekdays 10 to 2. Also the pre- and post-game host on the Nashville Predators radio network. Tomorrow night, Preds Insiders will originate from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs before Smashville Live with Mike Fisher tomorrow night. Smashville Live, 7 to 8 p.m. Preds Insiders, 6 to 7 p.m. Chase McCabe, your co-host from 10 to 2 on weekdays, will be my co-host tomorrow night on Preds Insiders Live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. So come out, say hello. I'm sure you'll come out to say hello to us and not the former captain of the Nashville Predators. So the question I teased before the break, what will make the Roman Yossi contract a success for the Preds. And I kind of thought about this question when Elliot Friedman gave his opinion on the contract, on the new contract that Yossi signed last week, eight years, over $9 million per. Elliot Friedman joined you, Darren, alongside Chase and Willie, like uh, he always does Thursdays at 1 p.m. And it was when he said this when I came up uh, with that thought. So I look at it this way. You guys are saying... Either we believe that Yossi is going to be good enough and take care of himself, that he's going to make this most of this deal worth it, or all of it, or B, he's going to win us a cup, and then we're not going to care what he looks like when he's 36 years old. And I like that bet for you guys. I really do. I think, I think at the end of the day, if I was in David Poyle's shoes, would I make the same bet? Yes. Yes, I would. That was Elliot Friedman last week with Darren, Donick, and Chase, and... Darren, when you hear me pose that question of what will make this contract a successful one for David Poyle and the Nashville Predators, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, that does. I mean, I think that's pretty natural to say. Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty easy. So I'm going to ask you this before we we go a little bit further with this. Has Ryan Suter been worth it in Minnesota? Has that deal been worth it for the Wild? No. Okay, why? Well, they haven't gotten out of the second round with Suter or Parise. It's not just Suter. I was going to say Parise, but the only reason I didn't say Parise because they signed the same deal is he's missed a lot of time. Like Ryan Suter's been there night in and night out, chewing up a ton of minutes. He's there for an entire season every year. It, it logs, right? He's one of the best logging minutes of anybody in the league. True? I mean, was he average True. 28 minutes a game? True, but has he truly been playing at an elite level these last few years. He's been good. He's been pretty good. But has he been playing at that elite level that he was at when he signed that contract? Um, I mean, for somebody who only sees him five times a year, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's... I, I mean, he looks... When I see him against the Predators, he basically looks like the same guy... I watched I mean, every night when he played for the Predators. He hasn't been oh, in a lot of Norris Trophy conversations. No, and a true. lot of people thought him going to Minnesota, getting out of Shea Weber's shadow, was going to open up Norris Trophy chances for him with the Minnesota Wild, and that has not happened yet. Okay, he's been very good with the Minnesota Wild. Does it fall under the category of you? I don't know. Maybe that's not a good but, example. Uh, I was like, playing in Minnesota. They don't get. I don't get the, I guess. It's the state of hockey. Yeah, no. I, I was going to say that's why it's not 
not a great example. But uh, the Wild are not traditionally a team that, let's just say, the national media, they're talking about night in and night out. True? True. They are on a lot of national TV games, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. I mean, I know all their games are sold out. I get it. Say it, I, I get all that. But uh, I would uh, say Suter and Parise collectively have not worked out for Minnesota because those two contracts collectively have completely handcuffed that organization in terms of building around them and bringing it and keeping their own talent. Paul Fenton didn't do a good job of making it work in his time there, but neither did, uh, I believe it was Chuck Fletcher right before Paul Fenton. I just don't think those pieces have totally meshed in Minnesota, and that's because they have two Albatross contracts taking up a ton of room. I don't disagree with you. Look, I, I'm I'm just posing the question because I don't disagree, but I, I think, honestly, the, the reason that you feel that way, and I, I don't disagree with you, is because of what you said. They haven't had the success in the playoffs, and to me – that's really what you always get judged by. It fair or unfair. That's just what it is. I mean, Ro- Roman Yossi can look this. By the way, he when it kicks in, he'll be thirty years old. Okay, so there's obviously risks. That's why Elliot Freeman was talking about. He's thir- you're talking about an eight year deal for a guy who's going to be thirty years old. Mm-hmm. And what is he going to look like at thirty five? What will we look like at thirty six? What will we look like at thirty seven? What will he look like at thirty eight? What I'm getting at is, let's say the next five years starting next year look exactly what we've seen the last five years but the predators don't have huge success in the playoffs you'll view that as what he's the same player he's doing exactly what you signed him for but he hasn't won a norris trophy in that time nope maybe in the discussion but he hasn't won it i don't think it would just be roman yossi at this point you see what i mean it it would be the entire core that they have locked up but he's the guy you gave the most money to. Absolutely, and he's the captain. He's, he's the captain. The co-face of the franchise, yeah. as I would put it, with Pecorine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a totally fair question. You see what I'm getting yes. at? Like, it, it, So nothing changed on the ice, but the only thing is is they haven't ultimately – it's a team game, by the way. It's not just Roman Yossi. It's not up to Roman Yossi to win them the Stanley Cup. It, it is a team game. Mm-hmm. The same way it is in Minnesota. And so I think the, the reason I bring that up is because Ryan Suter, okay, fine, you don't give him that money. So what what's your option for your top defenseman for the Wild all these years? By the way, he's been there since 2012. Which is hard to believe. He's been gone a long time. It's, it is hard to believe. Like he has logged a ton of games and a ton of minutes with the Wild. He's been solid as a rock as your top defenseman. Okay, fine. What does your team look like without him? Who's your who's your hardcore top defenseman if you don't have Ryan Suter? Okay, yeah, you just saved $100 million, but what does the franchise look like? What does their defense look like? Mm-hmm. What does their success rate look like? And you can spin that in the Preds way of what were your options. I mean, David Poyle had to get yeah. Roman Yossi signed to that of contract. Course. We all know that. I of mean, course. It, it, went, it goes without saying we were all going to be surprised if it went on into midseason or past the trade deadline without him having a contract because the Preds wanted him long-term. He wanted to be here long-term. Yep. At the end of the day, you make it work when when both... Well, don't forget... When there's mutual interest like that. Ryan Suter wanted to be in Minnesota. He chose Minnesota. I mean, we know why. I mean, but he that was his choice. 
So didn't they owe that to him too, no matter what? Isn't it been worth it for them? He chose them. Mm-hmm. Right? He chose them over everybody else, and he chose them over the organization that drafted him in the first round. So didn't they, they owe it to give that to him no matter what? I, I guess because they, if they I didn't, he I was going to go. El- yes. he was going to go somewhere so, and else. I don't know how they answer it. I'd, I'd love to know. Like I, I would love to find out from Michael Russo if he ever mm. did interviews. Yeah, but I would love to, or somebody up there that covers it. Like okay, or the the midday host on the Wild flagship in Minnesota, whoever like, that may what, be. What? Yeah. How do you answer that? Is was it worth it? Because it is tricky. Because I think we get so caught up, and I get it. I, I totally get it. Of well, what did they win? How far did they go? And it's like, that's the only thing. Like, there's a body of work for how long does the season? October, November, December, January, February, March. That's six months. And then what? A first week of April. Six months. Like, you just, you toss that 82 games every year. You just throw that off to the side and say, what did he do on the big stage? And that's all that matters to determine whether a contract was worth it or not. See what I mean? That, mm-hmm. That's a dangerous game. Like that's that's almost not even fair, even though it's kind of the world we live in. But I, to me, it's like Roman Yossi wanted to be here. Everybody loves Roman Yossi, whether it's the players, the coaches, the fans, the media. He loves being here. He loves the organization. They drafted him. He's theirs. Mm-hmm. He's their captain. No matter what happens, and obviously everybody wants it to be the perfect ending, David Poyle included, of winning it all. But if it doesn't, was it still worth it? Like, how could your answer really not be still yes if he still plays the way that he plays? I think if it were to become a bust, he would have to miss. Marred with injuries. Tons of injuries. Like Parise, honestly, he's missed a lot of time. He's missed a ton of time. And they still both. Suter and Parise have six years left on those deals. Suter's 34 and Parise's 35. They're not going to be worth it. I get it. They're not going to be worth it. That's why I didn't even bring Parise, because it's easy just to say it's not worth it because he hasn't been readily available. But Suter has. I mean, I'm looking at – I'm looking at – I just pulled him up because I wanted to make sure. Since he's gotten to Minnesota, he basically plays 82 games all year. I mean, there's, you know, clearly 79, 78 – He's taken a couple games off here or there, but no significant entries. He's been available, readily available. He even every like year. broke a bone in his leg at yeah. the end of one season. Yeah. And hasn't missed. So maybe their answer is no, it's not worth it, I guess, depending on who you talk to. But I guess to answer your question, it's going to be worth it no matter what, unless it's what we just said, which there's no way to predict that, right? It's impossible. It's just the risk you take. It's the There's a risk on the franchise of when you sign somebody to an eight-year deal worth tons of money, no one can predict injuries unless they have a long history of being injured and people could look at you and say, uh, the writing was on the wall. I mean, they've missed this, this, and this over the years. You should have known this was going to continue. Or they've had this issue or that issue. You should have known. There's not that, right? So there's no way to predict that. So coming up next, I want to carry this over into the final segment here because I have an additional thought here. We may have one way we think, but the fans, I think, are going to have another way they think about this at the end of the eight years if it goes one way. We'll get into that next. He's Darren McFarland. I'm Ryan Porth. 
Preds Insiders, ESPN, 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in, Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth alongside Darren McFarland on this Tuesday evening. Coming up next is Paul McCann and company with Slapshot Radio. We're carrying over this conversation we had last segment of what will make the Roman Roman Yossi contract a success for the Nashville Predators. And Darren, last segment you said that it's a success no matter what unless Roman Yossi runs into the injury bug, the performance drops, and it's clear that he's not the same defenseman at $9 million as he was at $4 million all these years uh, leading up to this contract extension. And I would mostly agree with you. I do think if you're going to make Roman Yossi the third highest paid defenseman in the league, more conversation about him being a uh, front runner or in the conversation for the Norris Trophy, I think that is something that you would like to see. If you're going to pay out all that money sure. to Roman Yossi, of course. you would like to see for sure, not just for Yossi, but the entire core for them to get the 16th win in the postseason and win a Stanley Cup. Or else I think a lot of fans are going to look back and say, that was a great run with this core, but they didn't get that Stanley Cup. I think that is a natural instinct, a natural thought for a lot of fans. I think it goes without saying. Right, I mean, I think everybody would agree with that. But I do think there is, I don't know how big of a fraction it is, but I do think a fraction of this fan base will now hold higher standards for Roman Yossi because of the contract, because this was the highest, con- the the biggest contract the Preds have ever given out themselves. Shea Weber signed the offer sheet, but that was done by the Flyers and the Preds matched it. This is the biggest contract they have ever given out. And... I just think that's how fans operate nowadays. You know, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Joey Votto is under so much more scrutiny now than he was before he got his 10-year, $200 million contract because of the price tag. Before that that contract, all Reds fans love the on-base percentage. All Reds fans love the high batting average. But now he's getting $20 million a year. They want him to hit 40 home runs. They want him to drive in 100 uh 100 runs every year and hit for over 300 when that's not the kind of player he is. I think fans just naturally, when they see a higher price tag on a player, they expect more out of that player. And I think that would have been the same case if Matt Duchesne had gotten the 10 million a year like it was rumored back in the in the summer before he signed for 8 million a year. I think there was a big difference between the 10 and the 8 just for expectation's sake that he didn't get more than Ryan Johansson. He earned the same He's not expected to do Connor McDavid things because he's being paid like Connor McDavid, if that makes sense. Well, that's how the world works. And that's what you know as a player. So, I mean, they every player will tell you they don't care. I don't care about the scrutiny. I, if most players, for the most part, not all, in most sports, not all sports, it's the highest bidder, right? I'm just going to go who's going to get me paid, and especially with guaranteed contracts. So if that's... That's your mentality that you have to also then sign up for what comes with that if it doesn't work out. I mean, as long as the Phillies don't make the playoffs every year, Bryce Harper is going to get scrutinized beyond belief. 100%. Okay. he But he's got $330 million in the bank, or will. It's guaranteed, and he's already made a ton of money. But that's what you sign up for, right? I mean, you have to know that as a player. If you don't, well, shame on you. And shame on your agent if he hasn't prepared you or the the agent hasn't prepared you for life in the 
I guess, as they say, the fast lane, which is high dollar. Because, yeah, there are certain fans that will just judge you. You make tons of money, which if they were presented with that same offer and they were in those shoes, they would sign too, right, if they were the player. But then, you know, it's also fair for them to scrutinize you and look at you differently. I mean, think about this. What have we always said about Callie Arncroak? Right? He's okay. What if he, what if Callie made six million a year? Oh well, higher standards. Well, you would if, expect him to produce made, a lot if more he made, than he does. What if he made four point eight? Same thing, but he makes two. Right, he makes two for six years. Two million a year for six years, and so virtually no one says a word. Right? I, I'm not saying Callie hasn't lived up to anything. He's been tremendous this year, but I'm saying overall, right? I mean it. You're right. Two million a year. If you made six million a year, we would have a completely different discussion. Like we do with Kyle Turris. Is that fair? I don't know. That's just the way it works. I didn't I'm not here to tell you if it's fair or not. That's just the way it, and if Kyle Turris made two million a year, how much would we have talked about Kyle Turris last year? Would people be screaming from the mountaintops about the lack of production from Kyle Turris if he was making two million a year? No. No. Why? Don't you still want him to have be producing? Because he's only banking two million exactly. dollars Exactly. Like, just think about how silly that is, right? Like, if you're if you're rooting for a team and you want a team to be successful, you're saying, "Well, yeah, but they don't make as much money, so I don't really expect it." Well, why? They're they're out. You need them to produce. Last year, there were times when they needed Kyle Turris to be good, so it doesn't matter as much because they if they're only making two million a year, you can you can let that go. Well, what if your team needs him to be better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he only makes two million a year. Oh, oh, okay. But if he makes six million, I'm gonna scream from the mountaintops. Like that can't happen. Like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> you better be better. You make six million, right? I mean, think about just how silly that like we just but the doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if I think it's silly or not. That's just what it is. If that's the way it works. If I made five million a year to do a radio show, guess what? I would be scrutinized and looked at differently. There would be people out there that would they would listen to every word I said. And whenever I make mistakes, because when you talk for four hours a day or even longer, you're going to make mistakes. You yeah. would have a funhouse account. Yeah, like have, the one for uh, Mike Francesa. Right. Right. I mean that that that's just the way. He's a he's a prime example. Right. Look at the. The stage that he's on, and now it's just it's just turned into, just he's turned into a laughing stock, and because he's at the top of the mountain and he's had lots of success, nothing changed with me other than my bank account mm-hmm. and, excuse me, it got out that I make five million a year, and then um, instantly people that listen to the show right now that have you know no clue what I make could care less. It's not a big deal, and like the show. If I made five million a year, they would instantly have a problem with the show. Mm-hmm. They would instantly have a problem with the way I operate. You know, like how dumb is he? Like he didn't even know this. Or, like all of a sudden, my mistakes would then be scrutinized, right? Where now it's like, you know, how can this guy be winless? Right? How guys? can the, how can you let this guy on the air? Like that's ridiculous. Like I can't believe you guys pay him that much money to do that, right? That's the only thing that changed. Nothing changed with me other than my salary became public and people were like Darren McFarland makes five million a year to do that are you kidding me what a joke mm-hmm it's just the way it, you see what I mean but guess what 
if I signed up for five million a year, I also know that that's coming. Yeah, okay. and I'm sure Ro- and I'm sure Roman Yossi knows he's going to be under a bigger yes. microscope over these next eight of years course. than he was the previous seven when he was making four million a year. But here's the deal: Do I want to be scrutinized? Do I want all that? No, I don't want that. I absolutely don't want that. I would love for everybody to love me and praise my work. But would I say no to $5 million a year because of that? No. You know the answer. Just like you wouldn't either, right? I mean, what do you expect? A player's not going to say no. I wouldn't say no. I don't want that to happen, but it's going to happen. Get ready for it. And it's literally just because of what you make. For sure. And... You know, we haven't even gotten into Austin Watson. We're just about out of time. Congrats to Austin Watson. The three-year, $4.5 million contract that was announced in the middle of the game last Thursday night. Second inter- During the second period. During the second period. Was not expecting that. Um, but congrats to Austin Watson. He's been through a lot. And he has proven, even through some of the off-ice troubles that he's gone through, just how valuable of a commodity he is to the the third or fourth line, whichever line he's in on a given night. So that was uh, that was cool to see for him as an individual to be rewarded like that. Hal and I, Hal Gill and I talked to him post game that night after that game. And it was the game against Calgary. And of course a tough, tough loss. He had two goals. I thought he was going to have the game winner late in the third. Certainly felt like he it. had four points, but wasn't meant to be. They lose six, five and just watching him being in barrel house and watching his body language, it was really cool to see him when I asked him about everything you've been through and for the organization to stick with you and then reward you with a new contract for three years, once again, guaranteed. And David Poyle actually brought it up today on the radio show. He said they they wanted to reward him, not with just a new contract, but they felt like because he worked at his at everything that went on last year. And Austin Watson, you could tell, going back to me, the body language, it meant a lot to him and his family that they've stood by him. It was more than just a contract extension. That's what I'm getting at. Like mm-hmm. it, there was more than just that. Like it was, he was holding back almost in a room full of people in Barrel House live on the radio because you could tell it really affected him. Like it meant a ton. And David Boyle said this morning, the general manager, like they wanted to just not give him a year. Like it would be easy to be like, yeah, you know what? Let's just go on and extend you for next year just to show you how much we appreciate. He said he, he made it a point to say, you worked hard on you behind the scenes. And so we deserve, we should reward you with more than just a year or two. How about three years? That's cool. Like they, it was sending, it was them sending a message too. like, Hey, thanks. You know, thank, mm-hmm. thanks for you. Thanks to you for not for working hard to to fix work on you and work on some of your issues and not just throwing the towel because there are players and there are people that unfortunately can't get past this and it's a real problem and we don't need to go down that road and that hole but um, we know that some people just give up and unfortunately they they need a lot more help and they they can't pull themselves out of it and it was good to see that. You know that didn't happen to Austin, and uh, he openly talks about. It. That's the one thing I always, I've always appreciated about Austin Watson. He's very candid. He doesn't hold back. He'll tell you like it is, and I, I can tell you, I have always appreciated that from him. Always, he's a straight shooter, one thousand percent straight shooter. There's no BS, and I absolutely appreciate that. 
You can talk to him in the good times, and you mm-hmm. can talk to him in the bad times. Either way, he's consistent. And I, I, I for one, really appreciate that. And that it's always been that way. Yep. With number five. That, that is absolutely true. Darren McFarland, you can catch his work weekdays 10 to 2 ESPN 1025 The Game and the pre and post game show of the Nashville Predators Radio Network. Darren, thank you as always for thank stopping by. Thank you, Ryan. Always appreciate it. Smashville Live tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Mike Fisher will be our special guest alongside Braden Gall. That's 7 to 8 p.m. I will be out there with Chase McKay from 6 to 7 at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. That's all tomorrow night. And then the Preds are back at it Thursday night in Colorado. This has been Preds Insiders. Coming up next, it is Slapshot Radio on ESPN 1025 The Game.